The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Uh, making America great, and what does that take, and, and where are we as a, as a nation? And last week I talked about the foundations of our freedom. Uh, we, we looked at a passage of Scripture that said when the, when the foundations are beginning to crumble, what can the righteous do? And uh, if we look at, at what's in our news today, I think we can all agree, no matter where we stand, that the foundation of America has begun to crumble. And it started several years ago, and I think it's, it's, even, uh, it's even greater now. Now, let me put a little side note. I don't think it's as bad as the press or the people want you to think. Do you agree with that? I think there's a lot of good things going on. I think there's a lot of good people in the world today, and, and I think uh, we don't see any of those things. But let's look at it from the perspective of, of us as Christians, as us as a church, as, as us as salt and light in the world today. And as we talked about the, the foundation of our freedom, we looked at some principles that God laid out for a godly nation, for the foundation that a, a godly nation is built upon, and this week, we're going to look over in Daniel chapter 9, and, and we're going to talk about some prophecies that's being foretold. And, and as we do this, we're going to talk about something that when we study Revelation, is usually when this comes up, we start talking about Revelation and, and the, the prophecy we find here in Daniel. We find it in the really the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation is where this prophecy begins, uh, and we're going to look at the, the history and the, uh, the middle, and then we're going to look at what hasn't taken place yet this morning. So uh, all this we're going to talk about uh, that's going to happen is going to take place at the end of the church age, and we're going to talk about the church age and what that means for us today. Now let me warn you up front, it's been one of my, my, my worries today, if, if, if I have a worry, that, that you'll check out on me this morning, because... We're going to start talking about numbers, and we're going to start talking about some, some ideals that you may say, yeah, that's I, okay, I'm not that much into those kind of things. But I think it's really important for us to understand what Daniel's talking about and how that relates to us as a nation, because it does relate to us. It, it relates directly to what, what we are seeing take place today in our country and what's going to take place in the future of our country. So... All the way back in Daniel, uh, we start seeing what we'll call the age of the Gentiles or the church age, and we're living in the church age. Now, folks, this has nothing to do with what denomination you are. This is straight out of the Bible, and the Bible talks about the age of the Gentiles or the church age. Now, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Okay, so that, that can clear up all of that. So if you, if you say, well, who are the Gentiles? We are, you are, unless you're a Jew. So anyone who's not a Jew is a Gentile. Now, Jesus Christ came, and he came for the Jews. That's who he came for. Those were his chosen people. And if you go back in the Old Testament, and you see that God made a covenant with Abraham, and when he made that covenant with Abraham, he said, he said, Abraham, you're going to be a great nation. Matter of fact, he said, as many as the stars are in the sky is going to be your descendants. And then through that process, if you go through the Old Testament, you realize that Jacob, y'all remember Jacob, he became Israel. And, and that's part of this, this Abrahamic covenant, that, that Israel became a nation through Jacob. 
You know, he had the, the 12 sons, and the 12 sons ended up being the 12 tribes of Israel. And so they became a great nation, and they were God's chosen people. See, that covenant that God made with Abraham, that made the, the nation of Israel God's chosen people. So what God said in the Old Testament, he said, okay, I'm going to create a nation. This nation is going to be called Israel. I have a covenant with Israel. You're my chosen people. You're the people that I've selected and here is going to be the deal. I'm going to send the Messiah, and he's going to save you for the nation. Now, that goes all the way back through the Old Testament. Well, something happened that during that time, and, and Israel rejected Christ. They rejected the Messiah. So when they rejected the Messiah, we can go over to the New Testament, and we can see stories of Christ. And he, one story that came to my mind, and I'm just going to paraphrase this loosely, Understand that I'm not looking at Scripture. I'm just kind of paraphrasing this. Y'all remember the story about the king that went out and was going to have some people come in and eat at a banquet? And he went and he invited his own people, and none of them showed up. And then he told his servants to go out in the, the ditches and the hedges and just invite anybody in. And that was a picture of, of, of the Gentiles. What it was was the king's own people that represented the Jews. And the king said, I'm going and I'm going to invite the Jews in to the banquet with the new king. And nobody showed up. That's a picture of Israel denying Christ. So he said, go out and, and, and beat the bushes and get out in the gutters and, and dig up these Gentiles. You know, for, for the Jews, the Gentiles, we were hated people. And we, we're going to study one of these days uh, that, uh, about Paul and, and how Paul was the minister to the Gentiles. And because of that, he was put in prison. He was beaten. He was, he was sent to Rome. I mean, all the things that happened to Paul was because he was bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. If we have time this morning, we're going to read a scripture over in uh, Romans chapter 11 that, that Paul says, I have come to the Gentiles hoping that I'll make some of my own people, the Jews, jealous, and they'll come to Christ. So that was the purpose there. So, so we see in the beginning, God had a chosen people, and that chosen people was Israel. Now, here's the thing that we're going to kind of put together this morning. Israel is still God's chosen people. God has not abandoned Israel. He's not turned his back on Israel. But he's kind of set them on the back burner, so to speak. In other words, he said, okay, you've denied me, you've, you've denied the Messiah, so the promise went to the Gentiles. And when it went to the Gentiles, we became the church age, or we became the time of the Gentiles. Now, if you go to Revelation and you read the first uh, three or four books of Revelation, you'll see the churches. Remember the seven churches in Revelation? That represents the church age. So as we moved into the church age... God made the Gentiles his chosen people. In other words, Israel rejected him. He said, okay, Israel, I'm going to set you aside. And because you rejected me, the promise goes to the Gentiles. That's us. So as long as we're living within the church age, as long as we're living in the time of the Gentiles, we're God's chosen people. And because we're God's chosen people, he wants us to thrive. And for us to make America great again, what do we have to do? God's chosen people need to thrive, don't we? But we can see in Daniel, now I want to I back all of this stuff I'm talking about with, uh, with the scripture we find here in Daniel. So 
We're going to move through here, and we're going to move a little bit quickly, I think, but I don't want you to get lost, and I'm, I'm not saying it's that complicated. I'm worried about more of my presentation than you're hearing and learning, so uh, I get what I want to say up here, and sometimes it doesn't completely translate out exactly right. So to, to understand the, the, the time of the tribulation period, now we've all heard about the tribulation period, that's in Revelation. For us to understand that and for us to to really see what's going on, it's imperative that we see God's plan for Israel, the nation of Israel. That, that's the whole ideal about the tribulation period. When it comes to the tribulation period, that is for Israel. We need to understand it. It's not for the Gentiles. It's designed with the purpose of bringing Israel back to God. That's what the tribulation period is. So in Daniel here, we see that that, that the nation of Israel has been in captivity for 68 years. So they're in captivity, and Daniel, he is diligently studying the God's Word. He's studying the Scriptures, trying to find out what, God has in plan, God has, what God's plan is for the nation of Israel. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. <laughs> he sees in Jeremiah chapter 25, that's what he's studying He's studying the words in Jeremiah 25 and down in verse 11. It says this, that Israel will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. Here's what it says. And the whole land shall be a waste and shall be a horror. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall be when 70 years are fulfilled, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation will be the land of Chaldeans for their iniquity, says Jehovah, and I will make it an everlasting ruins. Now, now Jeremiah's studying that. They're a nation that's in captivity. So he's studying that scripture, and he begins to, to pray, and he begins to, to question God. Okay, I'm studying this scripture, and God, what's the answer? What am I looking for here? So in Daniel 9, 2, after the Chaldeans had, conquer, had been conquered by the Babylonians, he said, in, this is Daniel, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood the number of years by the books which had been the word of Jehovah to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So Daniel's saying, okay, I comprehended that through studying Jeremiah. I come to this point of, of understanding this is, this is God's plan. And at this point, He's, he begins to pray, and he begins to confess the sins of Israel. Now, I just want to take a, a, a quick stop, and I want to think about what I just said. This is one man. This is Daniel. And he's studying God's Word. And the nation of Israel is millions of people. We, we've studied the, we studied the, uh, the Exodus and, uh, on Wednesday nights, and we, we've studied about them moving through the, uh, the wilderness. And, and when we, you start adding up the numbers, it's unbelievable. As we talked about God providing manna and God providing quail, and, and it was millions of people. So this is one man in the midst of millions of people. Look what he's doing. He, he said, I begin to pray and I begin to confess the sins of the nation of Israel. If we today would say, we're one small church in East Texas, and I'm one member in that church, what difference can I make? Look at Daniel. One man amongst millions began to pray for his nation. He began to confess the sins of the nation. 
to God. And look what happens. After that, the Lord sent an angel Gabriel to him. So God heard his prayers, and God said, Daniel, I see that you're, you're, you're crying out for your nation, so I'm going to show you, and look what it says here in verses 22 and 23, I'm going to give you skill and understanding. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. So here's exactly the vision that God gave to Daniel. So Daniel's praying, he's studying Jeremiah, he's just calling out to God, what's your plans for Israel, what's your plans for Israel? We've been in captivity and, and the Babylonians have taken over, what's your plan, where are we going as a nation, where are we headed as a nation? And God said, okay, Daniel, I'm going to give you understanding, I'm going to give you insight to what's happening. We find that in, da- in Daniel chapter 9, 24 through 27. Now, Sometimes when you see this, it's, it's called the 70th week of Daniel. If you've ever heard that, this is where this comes from. So here's what it says. This is starting in Daniel 9, verse 24. If you're listening, say, I am. If I've lost me, say, you have. Seventy weeks are declared to your people as to your holy city to finish the transgression and to make the end of sins and to make atonement for iniquity and to bring an everlasting righteousness. Now, let me just stop right here. If you read in the NIV, it says 77s. 77s, okay? So here, here it says 70 weeks, and we're going to talk about what that means in just a moment. This is where I was saying it'll be easy to check out. So 70 weeks are 77s. Are, decree, are decreed to your people as to your holy city to finish the transgressions, to make an end of sins, and to make atonement for iniquity, and bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy to anoint the most holy. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Know then and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, okay, from that point of going out to to rebuild Jerusalem. We're going to talk about that. Y'all remember when our, our building burnt, some of y'all were here then, and, and I preached a little bit after that. If you remember it, I am impressed because sometimes I can't remember what I preached about last week. So if you remember what we preached about that many years ago, but we talked about Nehemiah. You remember Nehemiah rebuilding the temple and rebuilding the walls, and they were fighting with one hand and building with the other hand? Well, this is what that's talking about. From the time that the going out of the word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to Messiah the Prince. Who is that? Jesus Christ. From that time, from the going out of the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the time of Jesus Christ shall be 70 weeks and 62 weeks. And the street shall be built again and the wall even in times of affliction. And after 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. Okay, that's Christ. He shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of a coming ruler shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And it shall be, and it shall, and it's the, here we go again. And the people are, of a coming ruler shall be destroyed in the city's sanctuary, and its end shall be with the flood, and the ruins are determined, And war shall be until the end. And he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Okay, there's a ruler coming. 
He's going to make a covenant with Israel for one week. That's what this is talking about. And in the middle of that one week, he shall cause sacrifices to the offerings to cease. Now, without spending a lot of time here, if y'all remember when we've studied Revelation, or if you've ever studied, the Antichrist is going to come. He's going to make a covenant with Israel. And in that covenant with Israel, he's going to say, okay, we're going to start the new, the old sacrificial system. That's what Israel wants. They still want to go, they still want to come sacrifice and make sacrifices to God. See, they didn't accept Christ as their sacrifice. So they're wanting to, to start that again. Well, the Antichrist is going to come. He's going to say, okay, I'm going to make a covenant with you. We're going to start the old the old sacrifices in the temple again. But it says here, in the middle of that one week, that'll be cut off, and he will cause sacrifices to cease. And on the corner of the altar would be abominations and desolations even until the end, and which was decreed shall pour out on all the desolate. Now, if we read that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So when we start studying this, this is where, this is where we can see where we as a nation are under God's plan, where we're, where we're moving here. And here it comes. Here how we know this is more than history. We know that it's the time of the Gentiles. We know that we're in the church age right now. We're, we're in that time. So it's most important to understand this time element involved. And, and here's the whole key to the whole thing. This word translated weak, W-E-E-K, that, that word is, is, a, is a context of time. Today, if we said... If I said, I'll see you next week, you're pretty much going to think, well, that's next Sunday. And in, in this, this word that's used here in Scripture is translated as literally a group of sevens. And it's, it's called heptids. That's, that's, how, that's, that's the word, H-E-P-T-I-D-S. It, it's a word that means a group of something. Now, this, isn't that, this is not that hard for us because we have the same word. If we say we want a dozen of something, what do you think of? Donuts. Y'all know what you think of. Uh, if we say a, a, a 12, a, a dozen, you know, we think of something 12 or something. But just because we say a dozen don't mean we're talking about a dozen eggs or we're talking about a dozen donuts. We're talking about a, a group of 12 of something. If we say a gross, we're talking about a 144 of something. So, so when, when he uses this word, heptids, He's saying a group of something, and, he, and in this case, when we study this, he's talking about a group of years of seven years. So, so we look at this, and he says, for you, there's been a, a, a week or a group of sevens 70 times declared upon Israel. Now, remember, this is Israel we're talking about. So he says, we've got, we've got this word, and, and here it is. There's going to be a, a group of seven units of years. For 70 weeks. So what's 70 times 7? Math teacher? 490. Okay. So the prophecy comes to Daniel, and it, it says this. There's going to be 490 years decreed against you. Now, Jeremy made up a little old chart for us we're going to look at, and it, it helped me kind of understand. So, so these 490 years, what I want us to do is I want us to take... Those 490 years that, that the, the, the angel Gabriel come to Daniel and said, okay, here's God's plan. There's 490 years 
in this prophecy that you're looking at. That's 70 times 7. So in this 490 years, here's the first group. The first seven weeks equals 49 years. And listen, listen to what it says. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince is going to be this 49 years. So, so we have 49 years already fulfilled when, when Cyrus came and he told Ezra and Nehemiah, you can go rebuild Jerusalem. In the Bible, it says that took 49 years. So if we take 490, which is the total prophecy, we go ahead and take 49 years off, that leaves 441 years. That, that's in Daniel's prophecy. So, so we have 441 years that's yet to be fulfilled. Well, the next thing we just read in Daniel is we read about this prophecy. It said 62 weeks will, will, will be against you too. Okay, that 62 weeks, if you add that up, that's 434 years. All right, 62 weeks, and we're going by, by seven years, or groups of seven. So there's, there's 434 years now, these have been already taken, these have already been taken care of. I said that wrong. It's 62 heptads, which, which ends up equaling, equaling 434. Have I lost you yet? Say amen. Don't get lost here. Okay, if we go back to, if we go back to Daniel and we read, remember he said that 62 weeks, okay, that's, that's 62. Remember what those weeks are? Units of seven years. So 62 times seven is 434. So, so when we look at that, he says there's 434 years that, that this is going to take place. God is going to be silenced, okay? So, so that number year, 434 years, God is going to be silenced. Now, when was the, when was the silent years? Do you all remember in studying Scripture? From the end of the Old Testament till Christ came, at the end of Malachi, until Christ came, that was called the silent years because no prophet spoke during that time. When you get to Malachi, and, and, and between that and John the Baptist, there was no prophecies. Then Christ was here for 33 years. So, so during that exact time, that, that adds up. We can't be exactly sure to the hour, to the date, because the, the, the people during that time, they kept pretty, pretty inaccurate, uh, uh, inaccurate uh, records. But, but God says during those 62 heptads, during those 430 years, it'll be a time of trouble for Israel. We read that right in that prophecy. So if you go back and you think about that time of trouble, think about all that happened to Israel and we don't even have time to go there, but between the end of the prophecies and the coming of Christ, they went in captivity over and over again and ended up, they ended up under Roman captivity, didn't they? You remember when Christ came? Who was ruling the Jews? Rome was. Who put Christ on the cross? Rome did. So, so during that time of trouble for the, for the Jews, they ended up under Roman captivity. Then at the end of that, it says the period of the Messiah will be cut off, but not for itself. So when we read that, and when we see that passage of Scripture, it's talking about Christ being cut off at the end of that 434 years. So if we, if we look up here, we have 434. Those are the silent years. Those are the times between Malachi and when Christ died on the cross. 
That's that 434 years. There are seven years unfulfilled in that prophecy. So we have the 49 years, that was the rebuilding of the temple. We have the 434 years, that was the silent years when no prophecy, that was the crucifixion of Christ. We have that 444 years. So there's seven years left that are unfulfilled. What are those seven years? That's the tribulation period. So we can look throughout Scripture and throughout extra-biblical literature, and we can see that all of these things are supported through history, through Scripture, except for seven years. And those seven years are, are time which will come, and they're decreed against who? Against Israel. So Israel's been cut off, and, and the Gentiles, the age, church of the age, the age of the church has come in, while Israel is waiting on that last seven years, the tribulation period. Now, what does that have to do with our subject today? Why, why, why does this have to do with anything? Because I think we need to understand that today we're living in a, 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 an age where time is ticking. I'm not saying God has a clock and he's, he's watching a stop clock and he's saying, okay, okay, it's, this is the day. But throughout the New Testament, we understand that God says, hey, this is your time, church. This is your time, Christian nation. This is your time, Gentiles, to be a great nation, to be America great again. This is our time because God has chosen us. Now, what happened uh, at the tribulation? What's going to happen? Folks say, well, if, if all that happens, then I'll know it's all true, and I'll believe Christ then. We're going to look at Scripture here, and if you want to go on and turn there, you can over in Luke chapter 21 here in just a moment. But in Luke 21, it talks about there's going to be a time that the Gentiles' time stops. When that happens is when the tribulation time begins because God is going to say, okay, Gentiles, your time has been fulfilled, and now I'm going to deal with Israel again. And that seven years of tribulation, that, that, that mid-time, uh, uh, halfway through, three and a half years of the tribulation, that's when Israel is going to be understanding that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. That's why the book of Revelation is called Revelation. It's the revealing of Jesus Christ to Israel. So at that time is when you're going to see the 144,000 Jews that go out and they begin to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They, they, they turn back to God. And that's for the tribulation, but, but we're not worried about that right now. What we want to talk about, we're not worried about that at all because we as Christians, we're going to be gone during that time. The, the rapture of the church is going to happen. At the rapture of the church, what does that mean? The church is going to be taken out of the world. Why? Because that's the end of the church age. And then the old covenant, not the old covenant of, of, of sacrificial animals, but the, the covenant of making Israel a great nation and following the Messiah, Jesus Christ, that's going to come into play at that time. So one week, that's, that's seven years, the prince shall come, and that'll be the Antichrist, and then that'll be destroyed there halfway through, and then that seven years determined upon my people, upon your holy city in, in Daniel 9.24, it's talking about those times during the tribulation. We're going to close down with this. In Isaiah 61, 2, Jeremiah was studying. It said, that is the day of vengeance for our God. That, that talks about that prophetic calendar for Israel. That's when it picks back up, and that's when it ends across, according to this prophecy we see in Daniel. So I say all this just to get to these two scriptures. If you go over to Luke chapter 21... I want you to hear what it says. I'm sorry I didn't mark that. 
Luke chapter 21, verse 20. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, now listen to this, we're talking about this prophecy we just talked about. In Scripture it says, these are signs of the end of the age. What age? This is Gentiles. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you'll know that its desolation is near. And let those who are in Judah flee to the mountains, and let those in the city get out, and let those in the country not enter the city, for this is the time of punishment, and it'll fulfill all that has been written. Now what we're talking about, what we just talked about, what was written in Daniel. It'll be the time that that's been fulfilled. All that has been written, and how dreadful it be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against its people. Verse 24, and they will fall by the sword, and they'll be taken prisoners to all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles, listen, until the time of the Gentiles have been fulfilled. See, what's happening is during this time, Israel's being trampled on by the Gentiles. Now, it won't be the Christians. We'll be gone. But God is punishing Israel. So that's what's taking place here. And he says, be, be aware, when you start seeing Jerusalem surrounded by armies, boy, what have we seen in the last few years? Israel is, everybody wants to go against Israel. We, we don't have time to study this, but if you go and see it, the Bible talks about blessed are the nations that, that support Israel. That's why it's important for us. Turn over to Romans. I got five minutes and we're going to be out of here on time. Romans chapter 11, if you would. So we see that God says, here's what's your plan. Daniel, here's the plan for Israel. Here's the plan for your chosen nation. We see that God has set Israel on the back burner. He's put the Gentiles as his chosen people. Now we see that, that the Gentiles, I'm not saying the United States of America, I'm saying we see the Gentiles all over the world. We're God's chosen people. We've been set apart now. God's, God's message has come to us through Jesus Christ. Then in Romans chapter 11, drop down to verse 11. As the Scripture says, anyone who trusts Him... I'm not even in the right place. Okay, again, engrafted branches. Romans 11, 11. Again, I, I asked, did they stumble as so far to fall beyond recovery? Just to jump in the middle of this Scripture, this is Paul, and he's talking about Israel right here. Did they stumble as so far that they're beyond recovery? Not at all. That's what Paul says, not at all. Rather, because of their transgressions, salvation came to who? The Gentiles. So is Israel fallen beyond recovery? No, not at all. Because they sinned, because they neglected Christ, salvation came to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgressions means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will the fullness bring? I am talking to you, East Delta Baptist Church. I'm talking to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle, apostle to the Gentiles. I make much of my ministry and hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and to save some of them. Now let's look over, let's just jump over to verse 22. You can go on and read that if you want to, but look, look at 22 so we can get closed. Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you. Sternness to Israel, but kindness to the Gentiles. Otherwise, 
you also would be cut off. And if they do not perish in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Now that's the Gentiles, and it's talking about coming to him. Now look at verse 24. And after all, if you were cut out of an olive tree, that's by its wild nature and contrary to the nature that you were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will those natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Now, we could spend a lot of time there, but what he's talking about, we was a wild branch. We've been grafted into God. How much more is the natural Israel going to be grafted into God? Now look at verse 25. It says, all of Israel be saved. But I do not want you to be ignorant of the mystery, brothers, so that you may not, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part. Look at this last verse. Until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. That's the key right there. That backs up everything we looked at in Daniel. Christ, and through, through Paul, is, is Paul is saying, the, the promise came to you, Gentiles. And, and it, it came to you until the time of the church ends, until the age of the Gentiles end. And, and at that time, how much greater is going to be for Israel when they turn back to Christ, their Messiah? And folks, for us today, what does that have to do with us being a great nation again? I think we as a church and we as a, as a nation need to understand it's our time to shine. And, and it's, it's the church's time to shine. And, and when we simply go through the motions of saying, well, this is just another Sunday and this is just another day and, and tomorrow is a whole new week and, and we just tune out what God has for us this way, then, then our nation is not going to be a great nation. Because it takes someone to step up and stand in the gap. And that's what we're going to talk about in a few weeks. God's looking for folks to stand in the gap. When the foundations are crumbling, God needs somebody to stand in the gap. Don't throw it away saying, you know what, I'm just, a, I'm just one person in a small community in East Texas. Think about Daniel, one man praying to God, and God revealed to him the mysteries that was going to take place for Israel. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning, and what I want us to do is just, would you just lift up a, this morning yourself to God, and, and my burden is this, and I, I told Wednesday night we talked about this some, we have so many folks in our community that are just indifferent. I don't know if they're Christians or not, but they're indifferent to, to the church, they're indifferent to the, the things of God. And you know what? The, our default location is not heaven. The Bible says in the end times, there will be a form of godliness, but denying its power therein. In other words, people will want to build a God of their own design. Well, I think God will bless me if I do this, if I do that, and if I do this. God's going to bless that. My burden is this. How many people are on the wrong path? They've never accepted Christ as a personal Savior. And there's going to be a day that that opportunity is going to stop. Now, it's going to stop with our death. But for those still alive, when the rapture of the church, that time clock stops. It comes to an end. Oh, there will be opportunities. Will there be opportunities for Gentiles to be saved during the tribulation? I think so. It will be extremely difficult. I could go on and on about the requirements that's going to take place during that time, that mark of the beast to order to buy food or water or shelter or have money. 
we're going to have a Delta County Cotton Harvest Festival. And when we drive down these roads, we see all this cotton, and it's white. This looks like snow out there. And Jesus had his followers around him, and he looked out, and he said, Look, the fields are white unto harvest. He was talking about souls. He was talking about our brothers and sisters and and friends and relationships. He said, they're, they're ripe unto harvest. They're, they're ready to come unto God. But I need workers. And he'll go in the fields. And he'll bring the harvest. For the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. That's God's word. That hasn't changed. As he looks across East Delta and... Delta County in Texas, he says, the fields are ripe unto harvest. Now I need workers to bring them in. Father, I pray this morning as we just consider what do we need as a nation. Father, I I pray that we'd understand we need to trust in you, the great I am. Father, we, we know that we are your chosen people and Father, we know we've read the back of the book and we win. Father, I pray that we would conduct ourselves as your body. We wouldn't deny you. We wouldn't allow time to rob us of the ministry you've placed before us. Father, we would take serious your word and what your word means to us. And we would understand that we are living as your chosen people in your chosen time. You have a purpose. You have a plan. And Father, we as the church, we are your body. We're your voice. We're your hands. We're your feet. We are your compassion. And Father, I pray that we'd be about our Father's business. We'd surrender our all to you. We would trust you in all that we do. Father, we wouldn't get wrapped up in all the divisiveness that we see in our country today. We wouldn't get wrapped up in the the worries and the threats of, of, of someone ending our nation, but we'd know that you're on the throne and you're in control. But, Father, you desire us, your children, to be about your business in bringing salt and light, being a preservative, being one who shines your light into a world that decays. We'd slow that decay down just a little bit through our work in you, and your work through us to others. Lord, I pray this morning that you would just take away the confusion and the stumbling of, of my blabbering, Lord. You, you tell us you're not the author of confusion. And Father, I pray today that through your spirit, you would clear our minds. You'd give us a clear understanding of your plan for Israel. And therefore, we would know as we take into account that we are today your chosen people, and we'd respond as such. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.